Welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we are convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Good morning, Imago Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, we're grateful for our moms and we're grateful that you're here today. We are in a series called uh, Becoming, and we've been in this series for quite some time, looking at what is this common, what is a common language, a common understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? How do we have that together as a community? Many of us walk in here today, and, and just subconsciously, we feel like maybe we're not very close to God. And we think that because we live with a, a sort of this sliding scale of 1 to 10 on whether God likes us or is pleased with us or not. And we've looked at how that sliding scale really is from the pit of hell. Because what Christ accomplished on the cross meant that sin and shame would never again separate us from God. That, that the deepest, truest part of who you are is united with Christ. And all these aspects of our personhood and our personality are, some of them are very close to Christ and some of them are way out there in the darkness in, in the process of being transformed. But we all come into this place in that condition. And so you are not on a sliding scale of 1 to 10. You are a son or daughter of God, beloved and united with Christ. We looked at what is the, the pathway that God uses to change and transform us throughout the whole of our life. That we at times get stuck and, and we realize that we have to go back in order to go forward. And we have to look at some things about our past, about when we were kids, whatever it is, in order to get freed up and unhooked to move through that wall. And going back there, we learn that God has given us these great spiritual practices like lament, where we get to, to grieve over the real loss that is just part of living in this world. We looked at the fact that God's hope for us as a community is that individually and collectively we grow into maturity in Christ. Not simply that we learn to get forgiven and leave to sin again, but that we would be growing in a relationship with God where we know Him more and more. And today we're going to look about at what it is to hear the voice of God. What does it mean that God has given us His Spirit so that each and every day we can know Him better, that we can hear His voice. And when I say that, some of you are like, oh no, here we go, it's off the rails. I, I saw this on TV, and uh, it's going to be freaky. But I want you to stay with me, I want you to listen to the Scripture, listen to the words of God, because those words give us a picture of what the normal Christian experience is supposed to be, not some abnormal or superior experience of God. And the first thing that, that we realize is that this God who created all these things, right? 
is a God who speaks, is a God who communicates to us. This is a God who knows us and wants us to know Him. And He speaks to us in a myriad of ways. He speaks to us through creation. In Psalm 19, verses 1-4, through it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have, they have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. On these days like we've had this last week when you can actually see the sun right in Portland, and you realize we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's just uh, cloudy a lot of times. <laughs> But there's medication that that I take for that, which is helpful. But you realize that there's majesty when you look at Mount Hood. When you're going through the gorge, you see the fingerprints of design and beauty and a sense of awe. When you're at the Oregon coast, you see the, the, the strength and the largeness of God. God is speaking to us in a very general way, but in this particular way through creation. He speaks to us through His Word. 2 Timothy says, all Scripture is God-breathed. That God has breathed the Scriptures into being. And they're useful to teach us and to rebuke us and to correct us and to train us in righteousness. So God speaks to us in the Bible that He's given us. That is His Word. And then in the book of Hebrews... It says that in the past God spoke to our ancestors at many times and in various ways, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir over all things and through whom also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after He provided purifications for sins, He sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. God speaks to us in our own human language in the person of Jesus Christ. God has spoke to us clearly and perfectly in the person of Christ. He says He is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of His being. When we read the Gospels and we see who Christ is, we realize this is God among us. And so God wants us to be very clear about His speech. And He speaks to us in the language of our own humanity. And what this means is that God is a communicative communicative God. That He speaks to reveal Himself to us, His purposes to us, His love to us, His peace to us, because He is a God who desires relationship. At His core, God is a relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you and I have been included in that glorious communion. And so God speaks to us through His Spirit as well. And I want us to focus on that today. Uh, So if you would turn with me to John chapter 14, 
verse 15 through 17, we see that, that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Truth. It says, Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're in the upper room. And he says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now the word advocate, which shows up in these next few chapters, it is uh, the Greek word paraclete. It means one called to walk alongside of us. So when you think of your spiritual life and you go, yes, I have trusted in Jesus, I I take the sacrament, I read my Bible, but many of us are on autopilot from the standpoint that we think it's me and my will and this book and this table and this story. But what Jesus is saying is that it is important for us to recognize that He is with us, alongside us by His Spirit. He has been called to walk alongside of you. If you are a follower of Jesus today, then the Holy Spirit is with you as your advocate. He's with you as your helper. He's with you as the presence of Jesus. He says He he is there to be with you forever. And whether we feel that or experience that every minute that's not the point the truth of what john is teaching us in his gospel is that the spirit is with you today and i'm wondering if we're paying attention to that i'm wondering if we're aware of it i'm wondering if we've been taken out by the worries of the world by our own insecurities by trying and striving to do more and to achieve more and to get our number up closer to the top of that ladder. When God says, why are you resorting to that? Because I'm with you. And if you need help, look to my Spirit, my Advocate, the one that I sent to be your helper and to walk alongside of you. The Holy Spirit speaks to us as God who is for us. Helping us to love and to obey Jesus and drawing us into the presence of Christ. And when we come in this place today, and each one of us brings the Spirit in us into this moment, and we worship and we come to this table and we pray these songs and we hear this Word, what we're doing is we're coming into the presence of Christ who is here with us by the Spirit. And you take the presence of Christ with you when you leave here because the Holy Spirit is in you and will be with you forever. In the few paragraphs later, he says that Jesus says, all this I've spoken while I'm still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. 
Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit is sent to us so that when we are looking at the Word of God, when we're looking at our lives, when we're paying attention to our heart, that He could be a teacher to us. That the Spirit can point out where we are moving into unbelief. The Spirit can point out when we're clinging to false hopes and false gods. The Spirit can remind us that, that you are moving back onto that ladder of 1 to 10 when Jesus has accomplished all of it and said it is finished. When we move into those places where we are like, I don't feel like a son or a daughter. I'd rather be a servant of God. I'd rather be the older son in the prodigal story out in the back 40, working hard for God, earning my keep. And the Spirit comes with this gentle voice that says, no, that is not who you are. So part of becoming is cultivating ears to hear the Spirit. And eyes to see the Spirit. Because Jesus is teaching us and reminding us throughout the day of what is true, of what He has given us in the Gospel. And so the Spirit communicates that to us. And He says the, the Spirit also communicates the peace of Christ to us. And He makes this interesting sort of uh, co contrast between the world's peace and Jesus' peace. And I've thought about that. What does that mean? And when I think about the world's peace, I, I, I think I have security in the things that the world gives me. I have enough money. I have enough health. I have enough friends. I have whatever it is that, that I need from the world to give me peace. But every time my heart latches onto that peace, it's like grabbing a handful of sand. Right? It's like I had enough money last week, but it's, my bank account looks different this week. Right? And some of us are hoping that Jesus gives us that kind of peace. And it's not that He doesn't take care of us or He doesn't bless us, but the peace that He's giving us is a peace that goes way beyond our circumstance. That says, you belong to me that you can never be taken away from me. That there's nothing in, in the world that can separate you from my love. And we begin to walk in that sense that though the world is crumbling around us, there is Jesus resurrected and on the throne and yet present with us in this moment. There's a peace there that crushes anxiety and it crushes fear. And so when you experience those things, those very real things, I'm not saying that these are bad. I'm saying these are just part of living in this world. But when anxiety creeps up or when fear creeps up, ask God, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring me the peace of Christ? I need you to pour your peace into my heart today by the Holy Spirit. You have that advocate. You have that helper. You have not been abandoned. You're not on your own. We are not on our own. 
In John chapter 16, verse 7, next one, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people don't believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the Prince of the world now stands condemned. You can imagine being in this room, this upper room with Jesus. And he's like, this is so good that I'm going to go away. And you're like, no, that's not good. Like, what is it meant up to that time to be a follower of Jesus? It's meant I follow the guy right here. And if he walks over there, then I walk with him. Like, it's really simple. And then he's like, I'm going to disappear. It's like, how am I going to follow you? But what Jesus is saying is that this is actually better for you. It's better that I'm not here. Because once I go away, the Advocate can come to you, not just you in general, but you individually and personally. To each one of you, the Advocate can come. And when the Advocate comes, he says, he reveals and convicts us in the world of sin. And now some of you go, well, that's a bummer. Like, I lost Jesus, and now the Spirit comes and makes me feel bad. But there is a difference between guilt and shame and condemnation. Like that oftentimes is the voice in our head or the voice of the enemy. Scripture is very clear that says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And that when we are convicted by the Spirit, there's a godly sorrow to it. It's a godly sorrow that's like, oh man, I totally fell into that again. But, but there's this warm invitation that says, God, I want to repent. I want to come back to you. So, so if when you feel conviction of sin, there's this just condemnation that's just beating you up, that is not the voice of the Spirit. The voice of the Spirit produces a godly sorrow and a grace-filled kindness that says, you're choosing death. You're choosing isolation. You're choosing to trust in yourself and your own goodness. You're choosing to hide. And there's this conviction, but it's a sweetness of conviction. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, the same writer writes this in his letters. He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. What that means is if we put these two letters together that John wrote, he's saying that the Holy Spirit, when He convicts us of sin, we go right to our helper. We don't run and hide from God. We run to God. God, I need help. I have blown it again. And it produces a sort of godly sorrow that says, yes, God, I want to turn back towards you because where you and I are most fulfilled is when we're good with God, when we're turned towards Him, 
when we're standing in faith that all His love and goodness has been freely given to us. The reason that He says the Spirit will convict uh, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. When we think of real righteousness, like putting the world to right, the reason that the Holy Spirit brings that kind of righteousness to bear is because Christ has conquered death, and He's conquered the grave, and He has ascended to His throne in heaven, and His kingdom is breaking in slowly on earth, and one day it will be fully here. And when it's fully here, we will say, that is the way the world is supposed to be. But until then, we are that outpost. We are that signpost of heaven on earth. We're the ones pointing to that king on the throne. In this place, we say Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Right? That is what true righteousness is. It is a king who gives up himself to put the worlds to right. And he says, and the Holy Spirit will also... bring judgment in verse 11 and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned when we think of judgment particularly if you talk about it around church right we think judgment is just those hypocritical too good you know happy smiley christians that look down on everybody jesus says judgment is actually pointed at the enemy that Satan has been judged. That yes, in other words, Satan is sort of the god of this world, the prince of this world, and there is a true spiritual darkness and demonic world, but Christ conquered him on the cross. So he doesn't reign where Jesus is. And he stands condemned. And he is the enemy of our soul. And so if you, we're passive about this, if we're passive about this, then more often than not, the enemy of our soul can take us out of the place where the Spirit brings us life. And we can start believing all the voices of shame and all the voices of condemnation and all the things that tell us that the Gospel really isn't for you and pull us right out of it. And what the Spirit gives us here is spiritual authority to rebuke the enemy of our soul. Say, you have been condemned. You have no authority in my life. I have been forgiven. You can accuse me all you want. I'm not going to argue with you. Because my hope isn't in Rick McKinley being good. It's in Jesus Christ crucified resurrected and reigning that is a spiritual authority that you and i are invited to stand in look at chapter 16 verse 12 he says i have much more to say to you more than you can now bear but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. 
All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. Any time that we are in a place where we are feeling spiritually confused, what we have this invitation to do is to say, Holy Spirit, guide me into the truth. Help me to see what's here. Help me to see why I'm stuck. Help me to see where love needs to flow through me and to me. That, that you have been given this advocate that's not only a helper, but the one who will guide us into truth. So our security, again, is not that I know enough. It's not even that I have all the things figured out that I need to about life and God and faith, but it's that I have the Spirit of God right now who will guide me in the truth. My confidence is in Christ. And what the Spirit is doing is the Spirit is speaking Jesus' words to us from the Father. Those words are almost always words of encouragement, words of affirmation, words of our own belovedness that we often tune out in a world where we're working for our identity. And what the Spirit does in bringing Jesus' words to us, those words are from the Father. And then what the Spirit is doing is He's bringing glory to Jesus as Jesus brings glory to the Father. And so you and I are invited into this as the Spirit guides us into truth. We get to bring the Father and the Son glory too. When we come in here today, it's part of what the Spirit's doing is guiding us into the truth guiding us into who we really are and who this God really is and where this freedom actually lies for us. And so when we respond to that in worship and in praise and in prayer, we're joining the Holy Spirit in giving glory to Christ. If you take the Spirit out of the room, this is just an exercise in religiosity. But with the Spirit here, it is relationship of God's presence where the Father and the Son get to glorify one another and we are brought into that to see their glory and to behold it. John ends chapter 16 with just these words where Jesus goes, here's why I'm telling you all this. He says, I told you all this so that in me you would have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I, I love this verse because I think so much of what the church tends to do with the Spirit is to turn the Holy Spirit into a way to, to make uh, our life in this world as comfortable and as privileged as we ever hoped it would be. But what the Spirit is actually doing is saying, I want to give you a peace that allows you to endure the reality of what this world is, which is a broken world with broken people and real evil exists here. But you are not going to be taken out by it because Jesus has overcome the world. Which means you and I are going to overcome the world in Him. 
there's this beautiful testimony that 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 the spirit of god has has come right alongside dwelling within us so that whenever we face in this world we know that we will be victorious because jesus has conquered the world there's so much help there and hope there and so when we think about hearing god's voice we look at this this great testimony of scriptures all of these passages where the spirit is here with us as our advocate and our helper and then very simply in john chapter 10 before he teaches the disciples all this he just gives them this beautiful little picture where he says my sheep listen to my voice i know them and they follow me I know them and they follow me. When you think about hearing the voice of God, how the Spirit brings all of this to bear in you, one thing to recognize is that God knows you. He knows exactly who you are. Each one of us is different. None of us are the same. We all have different fingerprints. We're completely unique. And so some, some of us are sort of like, I don't know if the God, if the God of the universe is actually going to speak to me because I've seen people who get that and they just kind of, they're all just like, God told me this and God told me that. And God, like God, they just have a direct line. And <clears throat> for me, it's a little more awkward and I feel like I'm stumbling and I can't act like that. And you need to know that's okay. I think of just, think of the way we talk to people we know. I talk to each one of my kids differently. Why? Because I know them. And so what, the way I speak to them, it has to do with their personality and their makeup and who they are. We speak to our, my spouse differently than I speak to my children. I speak to other people differently. And so when God speaks to you, He takes into account who you are and how you're wired and exactly what you need so rather than just putting that off and being like yeah i've seen people who feel like they hear from god i'm not one of them that isn't a step of faith the step of faith is to say god you know me and you know i'm not like maybe the other ways that i've seen this happen but i'm here and you have said that you will speak to me so i'm listening right God's voice will never contradict Scripture. So you don't have to worry about that. If you hear God say, hey, you should rob a bank today, that would be fun for us, um, you can just go, yeah, I don't know what that was. That wasn't Jesus. I want to talk about just a few things as we wrap up of ways that you can recognize the voice of God. The first would be that God's voice will bring conviction, but always in love, right? The enemy speaks, and his voice brings guilt and condemnation. So if you, if you feel this, like, I'm hearing this in my head, I'm feeling this in my gut, and it's just that I'm just horrible and condemned, that is not the voice of God. The voice of the Spirit will bring conviction, but it is a love that says, Look, 
I am the Spirit of truth. Jesus has forgiven you. Come back home. Come back into your belovedness. Don't live as though you are an orphan of God. And, and, and there's this beautiful sort of godly sorrow that says, yes, I want that. And so pay attention to that when you feel that godly sorrow, that gentle conviction. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Holy Spirit's voice will also encourage you and reassure you, right? Um, the enemy will use fear and discouragement. And so when you're feeling like terrified of coming to church, terrified of praying, terrified of opening the Bible because you don't want to see what it says, that is the enemy that's saying, let me try to get you away from God. That's what the enemy wants. I want to take God's kids and I want them not to trust Him and I want them to hide from Him. And so when you feel those things, that isn't the voice of God. The voice of God encourages you. Come. Come and drink of My love. Come and experience acceptance. Come and be free from your image and free from your production. Come and experience grace. And it's a reassurance that says you are enough. Because Christ is enough. So God's voice is encouraging, reassuring. The, the enemy's voice is fear and discouragement. God's voice will lead you and guide you and sort of still you, like calm you. Where the enemy's voice is going to push you and rush you. So, so many of you may have this experience that I'm, I'm not doing enough for God. That God is just up there like, I can't believe you're just sitting around living your life after everything I've done for you. Do we need to go over this again? Right? And, and, and so there's that sense of like, oh my gosh, I need to figure it out. I need to find time. I need to get busy for God. Anxiety is not the work of God or the presence of God. God's voice will lead you like maybe lead you to talk to one of your coworkers, lead you to reach out to your neighbor, but it's a guiding stillness. It, it comes naturally. It's part of who you are. The enemy is going to rush you and push you, and I have to get this. I have to do this now for God. That's not the voice of God. But when you sense God inviting you to reach out, to write that note to someone, to, to call that person, to share your faith with that neighbor, that's just the gentle leading of the Holy Spirit guiding you. You will be my witnesses. I'm going to help you do this. We're going to testify of Jesus. God's voice will take away fear where the enemy will always make you obsess and worry so when you think about your relationship with God one of the things you feel is sort of worry like I'm not doing it right I'm not confident that that things are okay with God and I that's where the enemy wants to keep you God's voice is going to remove that fear say I accept you as you are because we're basing all this on the perfect sacrifice of Christ so now come as you are and receive His love and His forgiveness. Receive your acceptance. Come out of hiding. 
God's voice takes away that fear. You have not been given a spirit of fear. You have not been given a spirit of chaos. And so the Holy Spirit invites you. Let me take away that fear. God's voice brings comfort. One of the things that John tells us that we saw is that Holy Spirit is called a comforter. The enemy's voice never brings comfort. You don't feel a sense of comfort. You feel a sense of abandonment. So something difficult happens in your life. The Holy Spirit comes alongside and brings the comfort of the Father to you. But if we're not paying attention to that, what we'll experience is something bad has happened into my life because God has abandoned me, because God hates me, because God's paying me back. That's not the voice of the Spirit. And so it is up to us to pay attention and to discern what are we listening to? What are we paying attention to? Number six, God's voice will bring you into faith where the voice of the enemy will cause you to hide from God. And so when you, when you hear, like, this is what God is telling me, this is what I'm hearing or I'm sensing, the reality is that it should be building up faith. We can trust God. We can trust Christ in this. Christ really is enough. The enemy will say, you cannot think that he's really going to accept you like this. I know Rick keeps talking about it. They're always hammering this at church, but be honest with yourself, right? And so we do what they did in the garden. We're like, we're going to hide. God comes near with his presence, and you run for bushes. God's voice will always bring you into a place of faith. And so his voice leads you closer to Jesus, right? That I, I know that I'm listening to the voice of God because I'm coming closer and closer to Jesus. I'm longing to be uh, standing in the presence of this union, to experience Christ in these small glimpses throughout my day. It's becoming more natural because I'm leaning into this helper. I, I, I'm, I'm reaching out. I'm saying, the Spirit, I would need your help today. And so, how do we do this now, if this is what happens? Well, this is where it becomes really simple and an act of faith. But you simply say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, come and reveal Christ to me today. Holy Spirit, search me so that I can bring my sin to you today. Part of it is just comes, brings us back to this childlike trust. And it's interesting that the language of advocate, it's also a language of putting, um, of someone who will take, take charge or be a guardian over a child. It has that picture to it. So Jesus says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm bringing you the Holy Spirit, the one to walk alongside, the advocate who is going to take care of your needs. And if you picture it in that sense, a child who would trust that advocate would be like, okay, I need help. I need help with everything. I need help with my homework. I need you to tie my shoes. I need lunch for school. Like I, You have no problem. But we live in a time where we are so ashamed of asking for help. And at the center of the gospel is we need help. 
And the beautiful news, the joyful news, is that God has given us that help in the Holy Spirit who is with us today, and all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is reach out and trust. And so as we come to this table today, we come to a table where Christ took this so seriously, right? He gave this speech. He talked all about the Spirit. And then He went out and He was arrested and He was betrayed and He was crucified. So that His atonement could cover all sin once and forever. And then He conquered the grave and resurrected. And from that time after sending the Spirit, the church's job has been to join the Spirit in bringing glory to Christ. For He is our great Savior, our great King, our great Friend and Leader and Lord. And so as you come to this table today, would you dare to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to break into you, to draw you into the presence of Jesus where you can experience His love and His mercy where you could be known as you were truly known. There is great freedom for you, Imago Dei, because the Holy Spirit is present with you and longing to move among us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You today in Jesus' name. And we thank You that You have sent Your Spirit. Sent Your Spirit into our hearts to be, God, the presence of Jesus to us. The Spirit of truth to us. Our comforter, our advocate. So God, You know where each one of us is today. Because You created us and You know us uniquely. Who is hurting? Who is in doubt? Who is in pain? Who is celebrating God? And Holy Spirit, we ask today that, that You would pour out Your presence in a fullness that our hearts, God, would overflow with the fountain of life, that we would drink deeply of the love of Christ today. That Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we would come against all other voices. Voices of shame. Voices of condemnation. Voices of darkness. And by the power of the blood of Christ, through the cross and the resurrection, in Jesus' name, we declare that those other powers need to leave. And Holy Spirit, would You come and help people break through today into Your presence. Break through out of shame. Break through out of earning and working and doing more. Take away anxiety and fill people with peace today. Cover fear with security and love. Mend hearts with Your comfort and Your healing. Father, You know us by name. And so speak to us. Because we know Your voice, Holy Spirit.
May we know it more and more. We give you this space where we come to a sacrament and we come to sing praises and we come to receive. So Holy Spirit, come and pour out your presence among us. In the powerful name of the risen Christ, we pray. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.amagodaycommunity.com. Thanks a lot for listening.